What is up, guys? Welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. Today is going to be just me speaking. Don't got my co-host, Mr. Tony, with me because uh, I'm down in Florida. He's in Fort Wayne, so I'm going to be doing this one solo today. Uh, so Mr. Cody Myers, our videographer, actually had a great idea. He said, hey, why don't you do a solo podcast with just you going over different questions that uh, people ask? And so I was like, dude, I like that idea. I think it'd be kind of fun. Um, and we haven't had guests and stuff in a little while. So also, if you have any suggestions on guests, then then let us know like who you think would be awesome. We usually look for like business owners, entrepreneurs, um, somebody who just wants to develop themselves. Uh, really looking for um, just yeah high level people. Probably more in Fort Wayne is usually the area that we like to focus on. So if you guys have anybody, let us know. Also, I uh, just want to thank you guys for listening um, for supporting us. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we're, we're bringing you guys some value too. So today we're going to be going over the questions that everybody asked. Also got Facebook live going on over here. So, um, if you guys have any questions, feel free to ask while I'm doing this whole thing. And then you'll be on the Tony and Dakota podcast whenever it actually airs, which will probably be tomorrow. So again, if you guys have been watching, uh, for a little while now, appreciate you guys. I know we haven't posted a long form in a while. We've been posting kind of like, you know, more 10 minute clips. Um, so super excited to get a long form out there. I think this one, we'll see how long I go today. Uh, these questions that people ask, there's only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven questions, but the seven questions, uh, are, some of them are pretty deep. Some of them will go pretty quick. So um, yeah, I'm super excited to get into it again. If you guys have any questions on Facebook live, feel free to ask anything. So first question was from a guy named Mr. Jordan. Uh, and his question was, will you marry me? Um, so for that one, I'm going to have to, uh, respectfully decline. Um, so I'm sorry about that, Jordan. Uh, I don't know if it would make sense because I think you're also married too. So appreciate the question though. Thank you for asking it and appreciate everybody that did also ask questions. Next one, Mr. Levi asked, uh, this is a deep one that I, honestly I thought a lot about um, and, I, and I have had time to, to think about it. So the question is, if this was your last day on earth, how would you spend it and give a play-by-play -play itinerary? And so, man, this is an interesting question. I don't know how often you guys uh, think about your death or think about dying in general, but I kind of do think about it a lot. <laughs> and I'll tell you guys a quick story, actually. So about two weeks ago, maybe a week and a half ago, um, Jackie and I were actually flying back to Florida from Fort Wayne. We've done this flight a lot, honestly. I've flew so many times. I've flown, I don't know, over 50 times on a plane, right? So we come back uh, down and we're flying into Fort Lauderdale. And I remember Jackie saying, hey, it looks like there's going to be some storms and stuff whenever we land. I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, it'll probably be raining and stuff. Not a big deal. Um, so we, we fly in. We get 20 minutes away from the airport. And uh, the, the guy comes over the you know, overhead is the captain and basically like, Hey, everybody sit down, buckle up, like get prepared. We're going to have some major turbulence here. And, uh, they were like, hold on to your wigs. Like, like it was, it was pretty crazy. And we're like, okay, this can be bad, you know, but we're going to be fine. 
um, it got really bad and it got really, really scary. Uh, so yeah, we're going through the turbulence. It lasts like 10 minutes. And then we get closer, like, Hey, you know, we're going to be landing. So again, hold on, freaking like grab onto something because it's going to get crazy. So we go to land, um, in this plane and yeah, basically the guy, the captain comes on overhead again. And he's like, Hey guys, uh, in my, I think I can't remember if he said 20 or 30 years of experience, but either way, there's a lot of experience. He said, we're going to abandon, uh, uh, landing or abort landing at this point, because it's not safe to land this plane right now. Um, so he aborted landing. And what do we do? We go back up in the air, back into the turbulence. And so it was, uh, it was crazy the amount of adrenaline going. And honestly, like I thought, I thought that I was going to die. I actually was like kind of preparing to die, which is crazy, but like it was, it was that bad. And then the other scary part that happened while all of this was going on, like again, just massive turbulence going crazy. There's freaking, there's people screaming, the overhead bins open up, like there's stuff that's almost falling out. It didn't fall out luckily, but our, our baggage and stuff almost fell out. Um, so with all of that going on, I remember Jackie, uh, at first she was holding my hand and then just squeezing it really tight. I'm like, gosh, dang, you're giving me anxiety right now. And so I was like, okay, let me just set my hand down. Like I'm going to take my hand away because I'm starting to get anxious. And, uh, um, anyway, after that, uh, Jackie started having so much anxiety and stuff. And I'm not sure if it was the G force or whatever, but she passed out. She's like, I think I'm going to pass out. And then her eyes started like going all over the place and they were just like, it was, it was, it was crazy. And I've never seen anybody pass out. So at that moment I got even more scared because I was like, holy crap, this is like a bad movie, dude. Like she's literally like, I'm grabbing her face and trying to wake her up and she was probably out for like 10 seconds. So, um, yeah, in moments like that, I, it definitely makes you think about death a whole lot more. And so I thought about dying there. I was literally praying and I was like, all right, God, like, if this is, if this is my time, then, you know, it's my time. And, uh, I pray that you would save me. If not bring me to heaven. Like I was literally at that point. And, um, yeah, when, when Jackie passed out, it just got me really freaking scared. And so it was interesting though. I, I thought about this too, in moments of like that with death, I was like, okay, it's out of my control. There's not really anything I can do. It's not like I know how to fly a plane or anything like that. So at the end of the day, like I just freaking calm myself down. And then I like, you know, worked on calming her down too because I didn't even want to tell her that she passed out because I thought that might freak her out more. I didn't know if she knew that she passed out. So I was like, okay, let me just like calm down, freaking breathe. Because if we're going to die, we're going to die. It just is what it is. Like, there's not really anything I can do to change it. If I could, then like I was, <laughs> I will say this, I was thinking in my mind different ways to like survive. I was like, okay, if we land in the water, I'm going to freaking grab Jackie, unbuckle her, go to the back of the plane. We're like three steps back. And then I got to do this all with my eyes closed because we're probably going to be in the ocean. I can't open my eyes. Like I did start thinking about survival stuff um, too, because I mean, we were in turbulence for shoot, probably like 30 minutes of like just insane turbulence, which was also a crazy amount of adrenaline. But anyway, it really made me start thinking about like, all right, this is it. This is death. And like, I was up in a plane and I can't do what I would want to do. So again, the question was, if it's your last day on earth, how would you spend it? Give a play by play itinerary. And so I want to answer this now by saying that like, 
I think that what I would want to do, because I thought about this, I was like, man, when I wake up, when I do my morning routine, when I pray, when I, you know, uh, do everything. And I'm like, yeah, I would probably wake up, pray. I don't know if I'd work out because I don't know if it really matters at that point if I work out, you know, do my daily routine or anything like that. But I, what I know I really want to do is I would want to go and like speak life into people and to tell them like how much I appreciate them, what they do and like uh, give them a positive hope for a future. I feel like that's uh, something that God has gifted me with is I can see potential and I believe in people when maybe they don't believe in themselves. And so, yeah, I think that I would go and speak life into whoever, uh, whoever is like, you know, around or get to as many people as I possibly can. So, yeah, that's what I think I would do. So if you're listening to this, um, I would honestly consider that, you know, like, what, what would you do? Like if, if you're dying, if, if, you know, if you knew that this was your last day, what would you do? Cause I think that is an interesting thing. And like, why do we wait? You know, I think about that too. Like, okay. Our parents, you know, we are going to die. Our parents are going to die. And then we wait until after they die to say good things about them. It's like, man, let's just, let's just go do what we would do speak life into people and do that every day. So that's actually one of my daily tasks, which is funny. It's a task, but I also enjoy it. It's like just to send somebody encouragement. So um, just encourage them and uh, yeah, do whatever you can. Sorry guys, I, gotta, I had a, a call. Sorry if that freaking cutout was getting a call. Anyway, um, okay. Next question though. So yeah, that's what I would do anyway to answer that question, Levi. I'm sorry, that's not like a play-by-play -play as much as you're hoping for, but that's what I would do. I'd go through every single person that I possibly can get a hold of. And then I would uh, tell them how much they mean, um, speak as much life to them as possible, give them a positive hope for the future and uh, remind them that like, hey, like Jesus is the way and I'm, I'm going to be with him. So that's, that would be my plan. Um, all right. Next one is from Mr. Aaron. He said, no question. Just letting you know how proud of how far you are going, bro. Um, yeah, thanks. Thank you, man. I really do appreciate that. And I appreciate anybody who like does support me. And like, you know, I know a lot of other people know my story and know different things I've been through. And like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super grateful for anybody that does support me because it does not feel like I got a lot of support along the way, which honestly kind of help and fuel me in a lot of different ways. I, I, I like it when people do not support me in a lot of ways, because like, you know, as you guys probably know, whenever somebody doesn't support you and they're like, dude, you can't do that. Then you're like, all right, watch me. Like, it's kind of more fun that way. And it kind of fuels you. And then, but also like, you know, we all like encouragement and some support as well. So uh, yeah, I think that it's important and I appreciate you support me, Aaron. Like, you know, you've been a friend of mine since high school. So Appreciate you, bro. Um, and the, the other thing that I want to mention about this, which is interesting, is just letting you know I'm proud of how far you are going. So that's like a future pre presence. Like, dude, not even how far you've been, how far you're going. So like, that means you got faith for me in the future. So I really do appreciate that. Um, all right. Jacob asked, what are your thoughts on internships? Okay, so that's a that's a loaded question, but I love internships, dude. I think internships are freaking awesome. So we've actually hired a couple of people from internships. So our internship, if you guys are interested in it, it's something that's not always available either, right? <laughs> Excuse me. It's funny that I kind of want to talk about this now because I posted a job uh, and posted that it's ten to twelve dollars an hour. 
it's interesting how whenever you post a low wage job they're like in my opinion it's like hey it's not going to take a lot of skills like they're literally going to go put out bandit signs do different things andrew i see you watching now too by the way sorry i cannot answer your call buddy you can ask me anything on here i'll answer it for you real quick doing a live podcast but anything you need let me know real quick buddy i'll probably be like 45 minutes uh left on here but anyway, a low skill job, like, you know, you're going to be going out, putting out bandit signs, picking up lunches, um, like picking up checks, bring them to the bank. Like it's really not going to take any skills or anything like that, but you're going to be around some high level people. You're probably going to learn some stuff that could possibly make you a lot more money in the future. So it's interesting how when you post a low paying job, people are like, what the heck? But then if you're like, hey, it's free, it's an internship, and people now deem that socially acceptable, now it becomes okay, because it's an internship. But really, what is a job that you're getting paid a low amount? It could be an internship. You could view it that way, because you're going to get probably a very similar benefit. So it's all perspective in which way you look at it, because I promise that everybody around us has now got a better life from where they were, at least financially, from where they were than where they were at before. Every single person in LTD has done that. They've made more money. They've gotten more motivation. Like it's it's insane how much value can be provided just by being around high level people. If, if I could go work for Elon Musk for $10 an hour, I would do it because if I'm around him, I'm gonna learn more about how he thinks. Dude, it's, it's just crazy to me the perception. So anyway, uh, Andrew, it's an odd one. Yes, I'll, I'll, I will get to that ARV uh, right after. Um, but yeah, it's crazy to me. Like people think so short term. And that's what I would say is like, think longer term than just like, okay, what's my pain now? Look at the opportunity and the trajectory that you're on. That's what I always tell people to look at is, okay, let's say that you do come in, you're getting paid $12 an hour to be a runner. Let's say you continue to show up, do everything. You're learning a lot. You now have more skills, knowledge, and understanding about what's going on. And you believe that you provide more value than $12 an hour. You come to me and say, hey, look, I understand this, this, and this. I'm prepared to do this, this, and this. That would bring more value to the company, which would make the company more money. And I want a cut of what I'm going to provide. Then... It's up to me to decide, okay, does this make sense? Is it actually going to provide more value to the company, right? And if it does, then I say, yes, then cool. Now you just provided more value. You're going to make more money. But let's just say it doesn't. And I'm like, eh, I don't think that makes sense. And that person now believes that they're more valuable. It is their responsibility to then leave, go to another company and make more money. Because if you're providing the value, somebody should pay you for the value that you're providing. And so anyway, that's what I believe. Um, is it's up to the person to make sure that they are getting paid the wage that they believe they deserve. And so sometimes you do start off lower and then it ramps up. So anyway, internships is how this all started. Um, is yeah, dude, like that's what it's all about is like, there's going to be so much more. Andrew said, a lot of people are fear-based mindset and worry about the money, uh, sign versus the work that they need to do within themselves to create the opportunity. It starts with you and your habits for sure, dude. It starts with you, your habits, and then what's crazy is when you get around other people and you see those habits, then now you start to shape kind of around them. You know, everybody hears these quotes, but they don't actually do them. They say you are the most about the five people that you hang the most around, right? And so if you get around some different people like us, I promise it will make a difference in your life. You can't be around somebody like our group at LTD and not want more for your life. 
not want to do better, not want to learn more, not want to like, it's, it's very difficult. And if you're not that person, you'll probably get kind of cut out anyway. Um, so anyway, let me get back to the internship, which is the question, my thoughts on internships. I think it is a great opportunity for us, great opportunity for them. You would be surprised at how many people have asked us to work for free. That lady was so funny. There's somebody who commented on my Facebook and she was like, uh, talking about, oh, I'd like to see proof of people who ask for free. I probably had over 10 people ask me to work for free, like in the last couple of years. And I'm like, dude, we don't have anything for you. So even though you want to work for free, I'm sorry, I don't have anything for you. So when we do take advantage of the opportunity, if we're paying 10 to $12 an hour, take advantage of the opportunity to get in with us, because I promise we're going to a lot more things. We have a lot more room to grow. And if you provide value, I am the kind of person that is going to pay you based on the value that you provide. Promise that. There are so many people in our company. I would say uh, more than half the people that work in our company make over six figures. So that's based on the value that you provide. And like, dude, it's just, it's crazy to me. So uh, let me read these comments here real quick. Uh, Andrewski and then the guy who commented, I know her. I don't think she understands the value of what you're proposing. My first good job in college was $10 an hour and working for LTD would have been a way better value even at $10 an hour. Thank you, Adelie. Yeah, I agree too. Honestly, my first job was $12 an hour. Uh, well, actually, I was 10 and then I went to 12. I mean, that was a couple of years ago, but still I was working physical labor. I was working 60 hours a week and I didn't get paid overtime. And I was out in the sun freaking working my butt off every day. I then ended up taking over like the entire like landscaping business where I could run the whole thing by myself. Like literally nobody showed up. I go mow every single lawn on the entire thing, which was like 60 of them by myself. And so then I felt like I was providing more value, right? I asked the guy, I said, hey, would you consider like making me a partner? Um, and he, he was like, at the time, you know, I'm freaking 19, 20 years old or something like that. And he's like, uh, I don't think so. Let me think about it. I don't know. And then I ended up getting a winter job and it ended up not working out. But either way, like if the, if the opportunity was presented to me there, like, you know, it would have been all worth it. But at the end of the day, I believe that we're on a path and look at, look at the trajectory that you're on. I think the trajectory is going to be the most important thing. If you don't see a growth potential there, if you don't see value being provided for you, that's not just the pay because value can be provided in a lot of different ways, right? That's the whole point of an internship is there's value being provided. There's a value exchange. That person's doing labor, but they're getting knowledge. That is what an internship is. That's what a job is. So what I always tell people is look at the trajectory that you're on and then see if it's gonna get you closer to your goals, where you wanna go, where you wanna be. That's gonna be the question that you have to answer in my opinion. If you're gonna look at low pay or if you're gonna look at internships, is it gonna help you get closer to where you wanna go? So. That's what I would say about that is like, make sure that it does make sense. We've had several people that worked for us that started off making no money. Then now they started making a little amount of money. And then now they're going to be making a lot of money. And there's guys that make freaking, dude, we have a guy, Andrew, um, who's been commenting on here. He made over $225,000 last, last year. He made over that. He's going to be a millionaire in like in the next probably in the next couple of months. And he's not even 21 years old yet. So it is possible if, again, if you're on the right trajectory, if you do the right things. So what we do is provide an opportunity, right? That's what I present to people, an opportunity. 
but it's your, you have to take advantage of the opportunity and it's your decision on what you do with it. So same thing that I always tell Andrew is like, dude, you were given an opportunity to make a lot of money. If he didn't, if he didn't put in the hours, if he didn't put in the work, if he didn't call the leads, if he didn't do all this other stuff, he would not have then made the money that he did make. But because he was given the right opportunity, he was on the right trajectory and he was willing to put in the work. He then got what he was going after. So there is like, it's like, it's your responsibility to make sure that it's making sense for you. And it's my responsibility to make sure that it's making sense for me. That's what I believe in a job and in an internship and everything. You tell me where you're going. I'll see if it makes sense for us to align together. And if it ever doesn't make sense where you're going this way and we're going this way, dude, it is what it is. And like no hard feelings at all. But if I can provide you with enough value that might not necessarily be just pay and I can still help you to get to where you want to go in your life, wouldn't you rather spend a year a year making less money if it's going to get you to the ultimate goal of where you want to go? That's the kind of questions and the kind of mindset that I believe that people should have on this. So anyway, I think the internships are great. I think it's a really good idea. Um, yeah, I, I, I love them. And we're going to be having more in the future. And I'm sure that we're going to get a lot of people. And dude, the internships, I really do believe that we're going to provide enough value. Like it's, it's already there. The stuff that we teach, dude, the, I forget how much, <laughs> I forget how much like knowledge that we all have because the amount of bull crap that we have been through. So every time I'm reading through a contract or like I, I do all these certain things or I make certain decisions, it's all based on past experiences. I've just had so many bad past experiences that I learned to make better decisions. So then you can learn from the, all the freaking bull crap mistakes that I've made, which we've been made a lot. And we've had a lot of opportunities. When you're buying, we bought 250 properties last year. When you're buying 250 properties in a year, you're going to make a lot of mistakes and you're going to learn a lot of lessons. And so then we can bring the value, help you not learn those lessons. And I promise it will bring, it will make so much more value. Uh, it's just crazy. So anyway, uh, Austin said, Andrew Etcherson, let's go. That boy grinds, dude. He's a grinder for sure. He's a beast. Um, I followed a low paying job until the opportunity came to make more big money that I took the opportunity and reinvested it. Two year process. So worth it. I love that, dude. Yeah, it's all it's all a process. If it's getting you to where you want to go at the end of the day, doesn't matter. I remember when I was in car sales, everybody was always so concerned about how much they were getting paid. They were always worried about the commission. They were always like wanting to adjust the pay instead of taking advantage of the opportunity that you're given to make more money. That's what I always think is like, dude, take advantage of the opportunity you have, maximize it. And if it's not the right one, then it's your responsibility to go find one that is. Because I do believe there's other places that you could be at that don't make sense too. And that's your responsibility to go and find one that does. But take advantage of it and don't blame the person or blame the employer or anything like that because then you're giving all control and power to them. Dude, can you leave that job? Yes. Will it hurt? Sure. You can make all the excuses in the world of, oh, well, I have kids, I have this, I have that. It's easy for you to say because, dude, you, you can still do it. It's still an opportunity. It's still a choice. So at the end of the day, you do have choice. You have choice in everything. It's so funny because I just think about this so much of like choice. Dude, you all have choices on anything you want to do. And everybody wants to tell you, oh, it's not possible and I can't do this. And like, you know, well, I have all these other like excuses. And again, that's justifications. But like at the end of the day, it's your choice to where you're at, where you want to work on the trajectory you want to go. And it's your responsibility to make sure that it makes sense for you. 
if the opportunity's there though, like, yeah, just take advantage of it. So anyway, all right, next question. Sorry, I get real passionate about that. I, I, I love business and it gets me excited, especially when people are talking crap. I love it. All right, I got to talk one more thing about talking crap. So it is so funny that when you post on Facebook, we've been posting on Facebook for a long time now. Well, Instagram, Facebook, but mostly Facebook. Facebook seems to be like where we get the most hate. Well, that I see. Um, we posted so many properties, crappy properties, like just, you know, junkers. And people are like, that's never going to sell. You, like, you know, uh, why you even post this? This person who owns this house should be in jail. Like it should be wrong to do this. Like all of these just crazy comments. And I'm always just like, just watch and see. And then we sell the properties and we make 20 grand on them. And I'm like, dude, like there's an opportunity to learn something. Like these people have an opportunity to learn and they just, they're like, no, you're wrong. I'm right. You're stupid. And I'm going to continue to be upset and hate my life. It's so crazy to me that it's the same thing, whether it's freaking rentals, posting rentals. Um, if somebody stops paying, then we have to evict them. Like there's a lot of stuff like pay. People always want to talk about the pay if you're not paying enough, all of this other stuff. It's so interesting that instead of just people taking personal responsibility for them, their lives, they just want to go out and blame everybody else. But yeah, anyway. All right, moving on. Ivan, Mr. Ivan asked, what is one of your biggest regret slash regrets? Oh man, what is one of your biggest regrets? Shoot, that is a tough question to answer. Um, so I'm gonna, I, I wanna rephrase it a little bit because I believe that, you know, lessons like, I, I, I like to call them lessons, I guess, more as opposed to like, a, um, you know, a regret or something that I would've changed. Like there's decisions that I've made that didn't work out the way that I thought they were going to. I would say the biggest regret that I have would not be investing into my marriage whenever I was married and just relationships in general, honestly. Um, I tend to, I would say I tend to put them on the back burner and go after different things that I want because like it's easier to do the things that I'm good at. And it's like, man, like, if I feel like I'm not good at being a good partner or something like that, then it's difficult. If, it, if I'm not good at showing emotion or feeling emotion, or it's kind of like, I don't know, like maybe a fear, fear-based thing, then it's, it's easier for me to like go and do the things that are maybe harder for other people, um, but easier for me, right? So like, I'll give you guys an example would be like me going and working out every day, all the time, like that's, that's hard for some people. Right. And it's easier for me. It's actually harder to turn my mind off. Um, and to take a break than it is just to go and do the hard work. It's easier for me to go and like make money and like, you know, do business than it is to feel and show emotion. And so I think that that's my biggest regret, uh, would be just avoiding avoiding emotion avoiding feeling avoiding like the hard the hard things the hard conversations um yeah that's what i would say all right next question 
best way to protect your real estate assets? Set up LLCs for each property, et cetera, how that works. That's such a loaded question, dude. That is such a loaded question. All right, Hunter, I'll get to your question right after this one. So, all right, so to protect your real estate assets, yes, I've heard different people that set up different LLCs for each individual property. Um, that is one way to protect it, I guess. Like if you want to be crazy protective, that's a way to do it. I'll tell you what we do in our company. So we have about, you know, 15 to 20 properties in each LLC. And so the reason that you do that is because like, let's say the LLC gets sued and then they, you know, want to pay it out or, you know, that, that company has to pay out. That is the only assets that they can get. So let's just say we got LTD property group. We got 20 properties in there, right? It's worth, I don't know, $2 million. So if somebody sells LTD property group for whatever reason, they slip and fall and they somehow get through and they, they decide to sue this company, then that company uh, will go under, we'll lose those properties, but we don't lose all of the other properties that we have. So that's the way to protect it. If you want to get ultra protective, then you can set up each LLC for each individuals. Um, the different things that you could do, different structures is like, let's say you had different LLCs for those ones. And then you had the owner of all those LLCs be this one. And then uh, like, then you could kind of run it all up to one tax return to make it simpler because that's the worst part about opening up all these different LLCs. I think we got like 25 LLCs now. It gets pretty annoying to do taxes and like figure it out and like, you know, moving the money around all of that stuff. It, it gets difficult. So anyway, that is one way to do it. If you want to protect it the most, dude, you can go really crazy on this stuff. You can open up the LLC in Delaware or something like that because then they can't see who the actual owner is. Like you can go crazy on this stuff. And so it depends on how like, uh, like, protected you want to actually get on this stuff so for us like it's not that big of a deal and i'd rather spend my time growing as opposed to worrying so much about the downside and worried about what i'm losing uh i would say so i don't know the other things that you could do is not sign a personal guarantee so if you don't personally guarantee it then you know you could file bankruptcy on the company and then it doesn't affect your credit that's one way to do it um this is also not legal advice let me be a disclaimer there not legal advice. I'm not telling you guys to do this. This is just like, hey, if you want to protect yourself the most, that'd be a way that it wouldn't hurt you as much. Um, most important thing though, if you're going to have all those different LLCs, just keep everything separate. Okay, don't freaking commingle money. Don't have a big like, you know, like you're using all of the same money in one area. It's, it's really like, it's almost pointless to have the LLCs because then they can just pierce the corporate veil, which I'm sure you guys have heard about if you're in business at all or real estate. All right. Mr. Hunter Mallet asked, what was the number one thing that you took away from a salesperson to entrepreneur, self-development, networking, knowledge? That's a great question. That is a great question. Dang, dude. I learned so much from being a salesperson. So freaking much. I believe that car sales is one of the things that shaped me like not the most, but a lot into the person that I am today. So it taught me, it taught me a lot about, shoot, dude, it taught me so much. Okay. So it taught me a lot about ethics is the first thing that comes up, right? Because ethics is such an interesting topic that I think is so freaking important for you to find out what you actually believe, right? And so I'm actually writing a book right now 
Um, I got done with the final draft or not final draft, sorry, the rough draft. And I, I talked about this concept, okay, of it's interesting how we have right and wrong. And I do believe in absolute right and wrong. I believe that God said right and wrong. And I believe there are absolutes. But I also believe that people have an opinion and there are opinions that's not necessarily right or wrong, but it's societal norms that we start to feel like is right or wrong. And so car sales taught me to question what I believed was right or wrong and actually work through all of this. So I'm gonna give you two examples here, okay? So first example is gonna be in school, right? We have where we are going to take a test. Uh, I'm sorry, not take a test, do our homework, okay? So we're going to do our homework. We copy off of somebody else, right? Okay, that is now seen as wrong in school. If we copy off of somebody else, now it feels as if we did something unethical because we copied. Is it unethical to copy somebody else's work in the real world? In my opinion, no, I don't think so. It's called freaking business because if you freaking own a business and you ask somebody to do something and you're like, all right, cool, hey, here you go got this done and then you get all the credit for it that's called business and so it's an interesting thing that we view that as wrong in the context of school but it's not wrong in life and so it's interesting to me that we view that as a, a bad thing same thing with like you know if you're asking somebody like that would be collaboration but if you're asking somebody for help then it's like seen as like you don't know it and like yeah it's just it's just interesting the way that they teach us in school and the way that we view it is we're doing something bad, quote unquote. So anyway, in car sales, uh, the ethical thing. Um, so, man, I'm trying to think if I, how to, how to frame this. All right, I'm just gonna frame it exactly how I remember it, okay? So in car sales, uh, let's just say that you, you come in, you look at a car, right? Let's say that the person does not know. I'm going to get a lot of lashback on this, but honestly, I worked through it a lot and it, it freaking, it does make sense to me. So if you disagree with me, it is what it is. Okay. Because at first I disagreed too, and then I actually had to work through the logic. So let's say that somebody comes in and they do not know the price of a car. Okay. They, it's online for $20,000, right? Let's say that they come in, they didn't see it online. They say, Hey, how much is this car? And you say $22,000. Um, that felt unethical to me. And I was like, whenever I first got in the car business, I was like, uh, I don't know if I agree with that, dude. That feels like I'm lying at that point. But then I thought about it. And like, this is where I think that a lot of people are going to disagree. And then I had to work through the logic until I was like, yeah, I don't know, actually. I think that I think that it does make sense. If I, let's just say this calculator is $10, right? It's $10 in the store. But Somebody really needs to do a math problem right now. It's going to make them a bunch of money or whatever reason they really want this thing, right? And let's just say that, hey, I'm going to sell this for $25. Is it unethical for me to sell it for $25? In my opinion, no. Even if I had it advertised on Facebook Marketplace for 15 bucks and I said, I want to sell it for $25, I can sell it for whatever the heck I want to sell it for because it's mine. I'm allowed to sell it for whatever price I want, regardless of what I had it priced at. Same thing with houses. This is where it gets really interesting too, right? So let's think about this because you're probably disagreeing right now if you're listening to this. 
Let's think about this though. In cars, it's deemed unethical because everybody hates car salespeople. That's just, it's just reality. They think that they're all slimy, sleazy, they're, they're whatever. It's interesting how in a car, if you mark it up and you go above what it's listed at, people get pissed. In a house, you're going to offer 10 grand above and everybody's like, oh yeah, congratulations on making a profit. Like they're all happy for you. It's interesting that it's situational ethics is right and wrong when like it doesn't make any freaking sense when you really think about it. If it's mine, I can sell it for whatever the heck I want to sell it for. Even if I have it listed, I can still ask more than what I have it listed for. So anyway, that's the first thing that it taught me in car sales. That was one of them was like ethics. And like, there's not really a whole lot, like there's, there's ethics and I do believe in right and wrong. Like I would not lie to somebody ever in order to make any amount of money, which is something else that it taught me. It's like, dude, I don't give a crap about how much money I'm going to make. I'm going to be honest with everybody. And I think that they can actually sense that and they can freaking tell a big difference on who's being real and who's not. I was always 100% real. Never, ever lie. So I will always freaking like give you like if you want perspective like I would always tell you all the reasons of why it makes sense because I'm good at reframing that's when somebody looks at it this way I can show you the other way to look at it that's going to look at a perspective that would make it a brighter light and more likely more attractive for you to get the car now if you ask my opinion and you say well what do you think now I'm going to be straight up with you I'm like well I think that this one makes more sense or you know tell you straight up if 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 you asked me my opinion and I thought it made more sense for you to go buy another car, I, I have told people that. And dude, that sucks for me, but I straight up will tell you the truth. But if I'm in the sales context, I'm going to tell you all the reasons why ours makes sense because there are some reasons that it makes sense. And so some people uh, always are like, well, there's a cheaper car somewhere else. Guess what? There's always a cheaper car somewhere else. There's always going to be. There's going to be a, a nicer car with lower miles that is cheaper somewhere else always the question is are you going to spend the time effort and all of that stuff in order to save a couple hundred dollars instead of just getting this done now see that's called a reframe because now the person has to decide is that worth it because there's always something there's always better we're in a world of abundance it's always there so you just have to ask if it's worth it or not so anyway uh, so nothing is either good or bad, but the thinking that makes it so love it. Thanks for the answer, man. Perspective of everything. Love it, man. Okay. That is actually called more relativism. So I don't believe that all the way. Nothing is either good or bad. I do believe there is good and bad. So I want to be very clear on that. I'm a Christian. I believe there is moral rights and wrong. I believe that there's a difference between what's morally right or wrong. Like let's say murder or like different things like that. Like, dude, that's obviously wrong. And I believe that's absolute, regardless of how I feel about it, how society feels about it, how anybody feels about it. I believe that that's absolutely wrong. What I'm saying is there's a lot of social context that they put it and they make us feel like it's wrong. And it's not necessarily if you work through the logic on it. So I, I want to clarify that. I do believe in moral absolutes, um, but I think that we start to get them kind of uh, convoluted with what society tells us is right or wrong. So Anyway, I wanted to at least clarify that, but yeah, thanks Hunter for the question. All right, I'm gonna go over a couple more things that car sales taught me and then I'll go on to my last question. So car sales, uh, the other thing that it uh, taught me was sales. I mean, talking to people is a major, major thing. Talking to people, helping them make decisions. 
I feel like I am really good at asking questions. It's going to help you get closer to the decision that you want. And that's something that, again, I feel like I did different than other car salespeople because I didn't necessarily just push you in the direction of what I wanted you to do. I push you in the direction of what you said that you wanted. There's a big difference. So there'd be cars with bonuses that if we sold a car, we would make more money. But if the person was telling me that they wanted something else, I would then listen to them and give them more of what they said they wanted as opposed to pushing them here. I might push it and ask them like, hey, you know, would you be open to this one at all? Um, and like ask more times than what I necessarily would have if it wasn't a bonus on it. So that's probably the reason of why they give you the bonus structure. But other people will just push and say, this one's the best, this one's the best, this one's the best when they don't actually believe that. That's not something that I was willing to do. So as a car salesperson, it taught me about how to uh, persuade and then do it ethically. And so persuade, but also help make decisions. That's what I feel like I'm the best at and why I feel like I was like the, like I was number one car salesperson for like four years in a row because I was good at helping people make decisions. I wasn't necessarily the best closer. I was not the best closer. I was really good at following up and I was really freaking hardworking. I put in a lot of hours, but the best thing that I do is help people make decisions. So I tell our acquisitions guys now, a little bit of sales training that we do and we go over every Monday is I help them to say, or I, I tell them to help the customer or the person who's wanting to sell their property. They got three decisions. We want to help them find out which ones they want to go with, right? They either want to list it on the market with a real estate agent to get the most amount of money. Cool. Or they're going to stay there forever and they just don't even want to sell anymore. And they found that out by talking to us. Or they want the cash quick offer that's not going to be retail. It's not going to be the most amount of money, but it is going to be the most convenient. Our goal is not to sell them on going with us and getting that low ball offer if they're not a right fit. Our goal is to help them make a decision on which one of these options do you want to go with? And we ask questions that help flush that out because sometimes they're hiding it. They're not wanting to show you their cards. Like, I don't want to tell them how I'm actually feeling. Sometimes they just don't know because they haven't been asked the right questions that they went internal because you say surface answers and then they're like, oh yeah. So like, you know, I just, I've just been thinking about getting an offer. I just, I'm just looking at the cars on the lot, bro. You're not just looking at the cars on the lot. You're going to buy a car in the next week or so. Um, and so now you're looking at which one you actually want. And so like, you have to be willing to actually ask the hard questions in order to help the person find out what they want. I believe that I'm helping people because I'm not pushing them in a certain direction. I'm helping them to make decisions. And so that's why I also feel like I'm able to do that and why our guys are so freaking good because we're not pushing to do things, pushing people to do things that they don't want to do. We're pushing them to make a decision on what they actually want and take a stand for their life. I believe that we're helping people to do that. So anyway, all right. All right, Cody, uh, good afternoon, Dakota. Off topic, I worked at a dealership with you. I recently went into sales and would love to connect with you and LTV in the future. I love it. I like it. Reach out. All right. Um, I don't even know how long I've been going for, but it's probably been, probably been around an hour now. We'll see. All right. This will be my last question. Unless any of you guys on Facebook watching have any more questions, this will be my last one. Again, unless you guys ask any more and then I will go over it. So I think this is Desiree. Sorry, that last person who asked that question too is Dion. I think that's how you say it. Dion, thank you for the question, bro. Uh, best way to protect your assets. Thank you. Desiree asked, uh, how do you quiet the inner, I'm going to guess inner voice, that says you can't. That says you can't. 
Um, that's going to be, it's going to be an interesting question too, because I would want more context on this to really answer, answer the question, um, properly, but I'll answer this in kind of like an open like way. Um, so the inner voice that says you can't, so that sounds like to me, like self-confidence. Okay. And self-confidence, such an interesting discussion because I was just listening to a podcast the other day about the difference between self-confidence and self-worth. And I believe that I have a lot of self-confidence. I don't know if my self-worth is there. So the difference is self-confidence and I know how to gain self-confidence. I've not figured out how to gain self-worth all the way. Um, but self-confidence, I believe, comes from like doing what you say you're going to do. And so when you like tell yourself you're going to do something, you're now building your self-confidence. I always tell people start off with something small because whenever you say you're going to do something and then you don't, you lose self-confidence. You lose that belief in yourself. So self-confidence comes from that belief that when you say you're going to do something, you actually do it. And so that's the biggest thing I would say to you is like that inner voice that says that you can't do it. Prove to yourself that you can in other things that you know that you can and remind yourself of the truth of whenever you do it. Of like, hey, I said I was going to do this thing, and I have. That will build that confidence that you know that you will do what you say you're going to do. Because regardless of how hard it got, whatever came up, like you're going to do it. And so that's the other thing too is like doing hard things, and like doing hard things helps build confidence a lot. Like it's crazy how much confidence you would get by doing something that's hard. Now I want to clarify this is like. There's a difference between hard for you and hard for other people. It does not have to be what looks hard to other people because what looks hard to other people might be very easy for me, actually, which is like what I've noticed is like, man, I can work out. I can do business and stuff. It's easier for me. But what's hard is freaking like talking about my emotions. What's hard is having intentional conversations with people and tell them how I actually feel because I'm scared I might hurt them. Like that's hard for me. And so doing things that are hard for you will help build that confidence of things saying that you can't is, okay, I'm going to do something, push myself harder than what I did yesterday. And I was listening to Dr. Huberman talk about this uh, the other day. And man, I, I, I loved this because I think that we're all at different points in our life. We all have different things that we go through. We, again, have different levels of what's difficult for us. And so he talked about, I'm just going to give the example that he gave in the cold plunge. He talked about how go through how many barriers you want to break through in your mind. So anytime that you said you can't, you're like, okay, I'm going to go one above that. So let's just say that you want to do a cold plunge, right? If you ever done a cold plunge, <laughs> you probably know what I'm talking about. Your mind tells you you can't do it a lot and you don't want to, and it's going to suck. And so then what you do is you start second guessing it. So if you have that first breakthrough and you're like, oh, dang, I don't want to do it. And then you go through and you break through it. Give yourself credit for that. All right, that's one breakthrough. Let's say you get in and you're like, all right, dude, I just want to get out. And you decide to stay in. That's a second breakthrough. If you go and you get for a minute, you're like, dude, this really sucks. I'm ready to get out. And you decide to stay in. That's three breakthroughs. Decide how many breakthroughs you want to go through in your mind and then do that every single day. So whenever you start to tell yourself that you can't, break through it, and then now give yourself credit for that and then decide on how many you want to do a day. Um, so that's the other thing. Obviously, there's accountability. If you really want to be accountable to somebody, that's going to be another thing that'd be really great. Uh, like whenever you say, hey, I can't do this. So I'm going to have somebody else hold me accountable. And like you will. It's crazy how influential we are whenever we have other people like kind of holding us uh, uh, 
our standards there. That's why I believe that we're so successful over at LTD is because we're not just ourselves. We're also caring about the group. We know that other people are watching. We know that we're being held accountable. We know that we don't want to let other people down too, which, which can really motivate you in a lot of different ways. It is stressful and it kind of like puts you in a more stressful state, but man, it'll make you go a lot further. So, um, all right. Uh, let's see. What is the number one thing that holds people back from purchasing a property? <clears throat> oh man, I'm going to piss some people off with this one. The number one thing that holds people back from purchasing a property, and this is going to be so funny, is mindset. So they're like, man, it's money. Well, I don't know how. It's like all of these other excuses. And it's so crazy how I believe that's the number one thing holding you back is your mindset. There is a way to do it. Ask yourself these questions. Ask yourself, seriously, has anybody bought a property with no money? The answer is yes, we've done it. Lots of people have done it. So the question that you need to ask yourself is how, how can I do it? So whether that's learning, whether that's reading books, whether that's talking to a lot of people, whether that's going to real estate investors association and asking everybody, whether like, you know, you could put in a lot of work and make it happen. So that is the number one thing that's holding people back from purchasing a property is literally their mindset, which I know everybody's like, oh, that's so stupid. And like, dude, I used to be that person too. No, give me the step-by-step. Bro, if the step-by-step -step worked, then everybody would have six packs and be freaking healthy. You know what to do, but you're not willing to do it. You know. So like to me, it's like, dude, your mindset, your mindset's messed up. Like, and you'll see that from freaking go to my Facebook and look at all the comments. You'll see the mindset, the, the mindsets of people. They're all worried about, oh, I'm not getting this. And anyway, yeah, enough on that. That just piss, pisses me off. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> All right, I sent a message to this account weeks ago, maybe in your message request. I will look at my message request. A lot of them do get stuck in there. It's kind of annoying. All right, holy moly, this is a long one. Mr. Jake McDonald. All right, I'd ask, when you are diagnosing bottlenecks in your business and you realize the primary issues is something you are largely ignorant of or don't like in general, are you going to dive in, get educated and competent? or just look to hire help. If you hire the help, how do you effectively manage the person that, I'm sorry, yeah, manage that person considering your lack of ability in that area? Um, all right, great question. I freaking love that. So if you are experiencing a bottleneck in your business and then you realize that your primary issue is that you're largely ignorant on, is something that you're largely ignorant on, yeah. I mean, for me, I always say that you need to get a general understanding. You need to know enough to know if they're actually good or not. That's my opinion. You don't need to know all the freaking details though. That's where I think people get it wrong. They want to know it so freaking well that they know exactly how to do it. They, they know like where it needs to go, all of that stuff, which you might have to learn that. It really depends on what exactly we're talking about here. But if you realize a bottleneck and like uh um, you have to bring somebody else in, which I always recommend or get a coach who's going to actually like the coach is going to help you in two ways. And so what I would do to answer that and to make it the most efficient, easiest way, bring somebody else on and go to a coach. And that way you can learn while they're learning. And then you guys learn at the same time and you're able to manage them because I, I asked this same question because, uh, tax accountants, right? I didn't know how to read a balance book, the freaking profit and loss, all that stuff, and know if they're doing our tax accounting right because 
I'm not a freaking tax accountant. I wasn't sure if it was right in QuickBooks. I knew that the numbers that were on QuickBooks and the numbers that were in my spreadsheet where I'm keeping track of everything were way freaking different. And I'm like, dude, that doesn't, like, it doesn't make sense. And I know that. I know enough to know that it wasn't making any freaking sense. And so that's what I would say is you need to know enough about the position to where you know if they actually know what they're doing or not. And sometimes you have to learn more, but most of the time you just have to have a general understanding. So what I would say is hire somebody for that position and hire a coach who's going to help answer that question. Teach both of you guys at the same time. You have a general understanding and then you're going to know, dude, most of the time, you know, if they're doing a freaking good job or not, it's, it's it's pretty freaking obvious um, if they're doing a good job and you got to trust your intuition, dude. A lot of times, you know, (laughs) we like as business owners, well, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I know there's a problem and I ignore it. I know there's a freaking bottleneck and I don't want to address it because I'm nervous about how other people are going to feel, um, what it might mean for the company, whose lives I'm going to affect and stuff. And like, realistically, you gotta, you do have to keep the, the business as priority and know that you're affecting a lot of other people. And anytime that you see a bottleneck and you're not addressing it, then you're letting down the other people on your team. So uh, with hard decisions like that, that's kind of the way that I think about it. And it motivates me to be better, to figure it out more because I'm like, dude, I do not want to let these other people down. Um, and I'm going to figure it out. So, uh, yeah, that's what I would say. Hire somebody, hire a coach. And, uh, yeah, that's it. All right, guys. Well, that is going to be the end of this podcast. I appreciate, uh, the questions. I appreciate Cody thinking of the idea. Um, I appreciate like all of you guys. Okay, looks like we got one other question. So I'll do this one really quick. All right. Hey, Dakota, more of entrepreneurial question. What did you do with your first chunk of cash you ever earned from your company? Invest real estate from your company. Chunk of cash you... Oh, dude, that's such a tough question. Uh, I never... Yeah, we just reinvested it, dude. We never, I never got paid a big chunk from the company yet, honestly. I mean, I think last year I got paid like $150,000 last year, which was the most that I've ever been paid out. Maybe, I don't even remember if it was that much. I think it was actually only a hundred from the company and then I made it from other things. So it's probably $100,000. So I'll be honest with you guys. I made more money in car sales, dude. Like I was making more money that I actually kept in car sales. When, when, when we started the company, it's all reinvested, right? It's all going to the next one, going to the next deal, growing the company. Like we've grown this company massively in the last five, six years. And like, we've started so many other companies, bought so many different assets. I think we have like 14 million in assets now. Um, And we probably owe, I don't know, 9 million on them. So we got like 5 million in, in equity. And so like, that's where all of our money's stuck at, dude. Uh, I'll be honest with you guys. Like I have not got a big chunk, I would say from, from the company and uh, it's just all reinvested. I, I, I had, I, I have a little bit of money in the bank now, but I had more money or I felt wealthier when I was in car sales because the chunk was mine. The money was mine. It like went straight to me. Is whereas now, like I got my bank account, then I got the business bank accounts. Guess what? When the business bank account gets low, you know who freaking goes? All right, uh, this, this, my money is now going to the business's money. And the business freaking sucks some money real quick. And so, um, yeah, there was never really like a big chunk, I would say, that I got. I had the chunk beforehand. I had like 
30 grand whenever we first started this and just use that to uh, lend the company money. And um, yeah, that was basically it. All right, guys, that'll be the last one to answer. Again, thank you guys for watching. Appreciate you on Facebook Live. Appreciate you guys for watching. And uh, yeah, if you guys like this one, please, 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 please let us know and subscribe because uh, we're going to be posting some more stuff. We're going to be doing these weekly. So if there's questions that you have that you want to answer next time, please post them, reach out to me, let me know what questions. And if you have any suggestions on guests that we could bring on, we want to bring on like people like Bill Bean. So if you got Bill Bean, you should tell him we had the mayor on. That was pretty cool. We want to get some like really big business owners in Fort Wayne. So if you guys know of anybody or can reach out to them, uh, please let us know. And, uh, See you guys on the next one. Peace.